started. Hello everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Hangout with Abisoye and today I have this guest that this conversation is long overdue and I'm excited to have my dear friend Azume Dego on the show with me today. First off, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Abisoye Akeola and I go by Abi thanks to the Canadian short form of my name. And so today we'll be discussing a very interesting topic that I feel is crucial to the success of internationally trained professionals who are the very audience of this podcast series. So, Azume, welcome to the Hangout with Abisoye podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, and I do agree with you. It, I, I apologize that we haven't been able to set this up sooner. We've just, I've had my schedule jammed for a few months, but I'm glad to be here. We finally got together. Thank you. I feel like doing the drum roll, but sometimes that thing is usually too loud. <laughs> but yes, I'll use my hand. Thank you, Azumi, for coming out. And honestly, and I totally understand the challenges of a working female professional these days are crazy. Like we just talked about it before we came on air. Um, it's either someone had told us that two years ago we'll be homeschooling and working from home at the same time. Well, I said, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. But that's the reality of so many people right now. So thank you for finding out that time. Awesome. Um, Again, I'm glad to be here. And truly, that is the reality for a lot of people, just trying to make sense of this new world that we're living in. I I mentioned just before we went on air that I'm homeschooling two kids and I'm working from home full time and every other thing that my life demands of me. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know that it's a straight line, uh, but it's mm-hmm. just us figuring it out day after day. And hopefully we're closer to the end than the beginning. Yeah, I have a client. So a colleague of mine had a client, um, what's that, autoresponder, uh, come on after he sent an email. And the email, the autoresponder read, um, thank you for emailing me um, due to the current um, challenges going on with everyone homeschooling, being a mom and, you know, also doing my work. It might take longer for me to respond to your email and, um, I will get back to you. And I felt everyone in my organization felt that was sweet and empathic. And it just made us realize, see, we're all humans and we're just doing this thing and figuring it out all the way. So yes. And that's it. So, um, today we're talking about cultural intelligence for professional immigrants. Um, I think I have an idea what that is, but I always come into these conversations to learn and to unlearn. Um, so let us start by understanding what cultural intelligence is. And Azume, can you help us understand it or unpack this and just tell me what you know about it? Because I know you have a lot of things to say about that. <laughs> I do have a lot of things to say, um, and I'm going to try to uh, break it down and so that it it is understandable. Uh, first mm-hmm. off, cultural intelligence is a globally recognized way of assessing and improving effectiveness in culturally diverse situations. Now, uh, the work of CQ is rooted in rigorous academic research conducted across more than 100 countries. So this isn't something that someone woke up and started to talk about yesterday. There is quite a bit of research that supports CQ. As a matter of fact, the very first mention of CQ can be traced back to a book that was published as far back as 2006. Uh, the oh, book really? was by, yeah, uh, the book was by Christopher Early and Sun Ang, and the title is CQ, Developing Cultural Intelligence at Work. So you can probably find it on Amazon or somewhere, but it'll be a good start. But aside, I mean, that was 2006. Now, 
between then and now, there's been a lot more work in CQ, and so you can find a lot of articles about that. I've written a few of them as well. Now, in layman's terms, CQ refers to the capability to relate and work effectively across cultures. And mm. I think that this is particularly important to immigrant professionals because they're coming from a different work culture experience into yeah. Canada. Mm-hmm. And they would usually expect to get hired as quickly as possible. Uh, and indeed, that is my hope and prayer for everyone who packs up their lives and leaves their family and moves across the world to Canada. But yeah. the thing is, as immigrant professionals settle in, into the Canadian workplace in particularly, they might quickly realize that the one thing that enticed them to life in Canada may be the very same thing that they struggle with in the workplace. And that is okay. multiculturalism, right? So you might have moved to Canada thinking, oh, it's welcoming of um, you know, immigrants and and I'm, you know, it, it'll be easy to integrate because there's lots of people from everywhere. That would have been maybe the thing that enticed you and why you applied to come to Canada. Now, when you come here, that might be the thing that you struggle with in the workplace. Everybody's Mm. from somewhere. Because in the workforce where everyone is likely from somewhere else, either first generation, second generation, or third generation and above, people will perceive, understand, and respond to both verbal and nonverbal communications based on their worldview. Now, each person's worldview is determined by several different factors, including their cultural heritage. Mm. I hope that that isn't too much to kind of... um, No, it's not too much, actually. It's not too much, and that's fantastic unpacking. I like how you actually um, shared with us the history of CQ and also, and I never thought of it that way, that um, it's the one thing that attracted us to come, oh, let's move our lives here that is also the one thing that can actually act as our biggest challenge because we're like a box of puzzles, like different people from different places. And that's one of the beauties of Canada. Huh. That's interesting. I like how you've um, defined that. But I'll tell you that. Sorry, uh, but it really is one of the beautiful things about Canada. Um, I know that when myself and my family were planning, planning to relocate, um, mm-hmm. we looked at a few countries and we chose Canada, certainly not for the weather, um, <laughs> that was <laughs> but we, we just thought we'd be able to integrate it's welcoming of immigrants and that is a, that I find is a sentiment that a lot of people share um, yeah. but and you know Canada does take its multiculturalism really seriously there is actually uh, laws and policies and uh, federal um, acts and provincial acts that support multiculturalism so it isn't just um a thing of the mouth, so to speak. Like there's actually, yes, action. there's actually a, a policy and procedure and things like that that support and um, hopefully enhance multiculturalism in Canada. Okay, so Azume, all of this English, this is me, <laughs> this is me, right? <laughs> all of this, and I know. Okay, so I know your day job, Azume, allows you to um, like sit in front row of the experiences of. Um, professional immigrants, especially when the first few months when they come in and they're excited and eager, you you see all of that. And um, so, you know, you can feel the excitement and their hopes and like pretty much, you know, wide eyed. And I think that's how I even met you, right? I, I don't know if you remember, I just, I was in your office, I had a meeting, I came early and I was, you know, waiting and then you passed by and I was like, oh, hi. And we got talking, but you know, all of that hope put together. How do you think, um, and, and you would, you would have seen this a couple of times. How does our lack 
off our presence of just cultural intelligence? How does it affect us getting a job and succeeding in our career? Because it's one thing to get a job, it's one other thing to hold it. Um, so from your experience, like, you know, from different stories you've heard, how does that, you know, affect us now that we know that it's a thing? Okay. So I do remember how we met. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't get to meet people like that anymore because I'm home and, and I, I go to the office maybe once in two months when I, I feel like I wanted to. So um, that, I don't know when that's going to happen, but um, talking about how a lack of CQ or the presence of CQ could possibly help a person in their career. Very often I say that immigrant professionals do their best to prepare for work in Canada. So they do this by taking certifications, writing exams, you know, CMPP, MPA, CBA, all of that. They're trying to prepare for work, get all these qualifications because they believe it will help them find a job. And, and yes, those things do help. But I find that they do not give a lot of attention to preparing for the workplace in Canada. So preparing mm. for work is different for, from preparing for the workplace. They're two very different things. Now, cultural intelligence is a soft skill. And soft skills are a big deal in Canada. And that's something that a lot of immigrant professionals don't give a lot of thought to. Because when, when we come, we're mostly from backgrounds where our hard skills are more of a big deal than our soft skills. So all of our masters and PhDs and all the plenty letters that we put behind our names on LinkedIn, those are very big deals to us. But in Canada, mm. that's not to say that they're not big deals. They are, but over and above uh, or equally important is soft skills. Now, soft skills play an important role in not just getting a job, but like you said, keeping that job and advancing your career. Now, a tough pill to swallow can be a situation where someone who you think you're more qualified than, now in terms of hard skills and certifications, you think you're more qualified than they are. Now, this mm -hmm. person is giving a role over you, whether this is a new role or an advancement opportunity. The difference between one candidate sometimes and the next could very well be soft skills, cultural oh, wow. intelligence in particular. Right. And those okay. are not things that we take seriously, but those are things that the Canadian workplace places a lot of value on. And so you think that you're more qualified than the other person. But in the, in the eyes of the other per the person who's doing the recruitment or the hiring manager, they see these soft skills that you don't have, that the other person have and has rather. And they think that, OK, I mean, we can teach a lot of the technical stuff or pay for mm. you to learn the technical stuff. But you need to bring a level of uh, cultural intelligence and soft skills that you can build upon, but they need to see a level of it initially. So my advice usually is to be deliberate with building cultural intelligence from the word go. Okay. Now, you need to understand that your journey of building cultural intelligence will require you to first off unlearn. And that's something that you mm. have to be deliberate about. Now, let sure. us assume that you moved to Canada at the age of 30. You've had yeah. 30 years in your home country of doing things a certain way, of acting a certain way, of you know beliefs and biases. That That is your default setting in a sense. So you yeah. want to be deliberate with unlearning. It's almost like a pendulum where you got to drop one thing uh, mm -hmm. and then pick up something else. So you first off unlearn. You need to unlearn a few things from, you know, um, back home. And when I say unlearn, I know that sometimes it can get tricky, but the idea is you want to find the fine line between 
um, integrating into your new country uh, without letting go of your identity. Because some people struggle with that. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is core to who I am. And so they're unwilling to let go, but you have to let go in order to acquire something else. So that unlearning and then learning and then relearning. It's a circle, uh, cycle rather. There isn't a final bus stop that I'd say, okay, this is where you arrive at a full-fledged knowledge and understanding of CQ. There are mm-hmm. several different facets and learning curves to it. Another important thing to tackle is bias, unconscious bias, right? That's a mindset or thinking that someone is going to act a certain way because they're from a certain place. It's part of the unlearning, right? Just Mm -hmm. like I said, it's our default setting because we've done things like this for so long. And so we, we have a tendency to just perceive certain situations in a certain way because it's, it's been our default for a long time. So the summary of it is, you have to unlearn, learn, and keep learning. And yeah. you need to understand just how powerful soft skills are uh, when it comes to getting a job, keeping a job, and advancing your career. Okay. Okay. And I hear all of this, as you mean, and, I'm, and, I, and I want to actually, I'm not playing the devil's advocate, but I also, I'm, I mean, imagine someone listening to this who is um, like spent a few months already in Canada, or even like a year, and they're thinking, I hear you, I hear Azumi and Abisoy, I hear what you guys are saying, but can you give me an example of um, some of the biases that we um, take on our jobs that are actually detrimental to us, you know, um, succeeding in our career or on our job, if you have an example or a story or something, so that people can just really relate to it. So um, let me see, what's the first one that probably comes to mind? So it's simple things like where... We're from, we tend to think that um, administrative or, sec- or secretarial roles are, are, are for women. So you mm-hmm. could be in a meeting where ideally the person who takes minutes is for some reason not available. And then you're looking for the next available person to take minutes. And then you default to the next, you know, someone because she's a lady. And, mm. you know, that person might actually be higher up. Uh, in the organization that you, but you just assume that women take minutes when women do administrative roles, right? <laughs> so, so it's, you know, that's something that comes to mind. It's also uh, the thinking that, oh, um, you've had or watched movies in which people from this part of the world act a certain way. And okay. so you relate with them based on that. And you might rub someone the wrong way because as much as we like to identify with our culture and our roots, people also are very uh, conscious of being individuals. So I'm from somewhere, but I'm still an individual. And that is because for each person, there's intersectionality in that there's layers to our identity. So uh, for me, you could identify me as a black woman, but over and above that, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a professional person, um, I'm a Christian, I'm this. So depending on this, whatever you know situation I'm, I'm in, there's different parts of me that might be dominant. So if you only look at me and think, oh, black women do this, and so you relate with me in that regard, but in that situation, the hat that I'm wearing is a mom's hat, regardless mm-hmm. of the color of my skin. 
then you're not going to get that default reaction you expected. And so some people might get offended with things like that. My one tip is to ask questions. Um, if you don't know, ask questions. Uh, okay. Back home, people will say, uh, in worry, people will say who they ask questions, no, they lost. No, they misread. So miss in road. this situation, you should say something about um, who would like to take the minutes or something. Another some use that the next female in the room should take the minutes. Exactly. I think, I think, so I would share an experience. I think for me, one of the things I learned um, when I was working in a store, I realized that, and, and that's, you know, from back home. When you get somewhere and you, we have this notion of wanting to ask, how do I get this done? So I went into the place and I was always asking questions. And this is like after a few days after the, you know, my onboarding. And it looks like Abby is always asking questions for even the silliest things. And for me, it was just a mindset of, let me just find out how they do it here. But I did not realize. And then there was another new girl that had also resumed when I did. And I found that. She would try first before asking someone for help. So she would try to turn on the machine and then say, oh, for the life of me, am I getting this wrong? What am I supposed to do? I would just go there and I would not even, um, and it wasn't like I wasn't taking initiative. For me, it was taking initiative to ask first before doing it. And sometimes it was as simple as switch on the button and so you would not be looking silly. Uh, so I think we also have that difference in what it's called initiative from back home and what is called initiative here. And so, and, I, and, and that's just culture that I had to learn quickly because after a while, I looked like, come on, I don't even have a degree at all. Like I, after a while, it started to feel like, I don't know if, um, as you may if you understand what I mean, it started to feel like I, I well, didn't know <laughs> what I was doing because I was always asking because, you know, from back home, you have to ask, oh, how do we do things here? Okay. But here, they expect that you take initiative, try it, and then maybe you can say, I tried it, but I think there might be another way to do it. Can you tell me? So the thing is this, a lot of the time we're from societies that are very autocratic. So it's um, red is red, blue is blue. This is how we do things. My boss said to take 10 steps. Now, even though you know that there's five steps that could get you to achieve what you want to achieve, your boss said take 10 steps. You're going to take 10 steps because your boss yeah. said take 10 steps. Now, the workplace in Canada is for the most part egalitarian. And that's where you are allowed to take initiative and be comfortable with leading yourself. You will yeah. make mistakes, no doubt. But the mm. idea is, like you said, take initiative, try it out, and then go back and say, okay, I don't think this is the result you wanted me to get, but I did try and this is what I got. Am I missing something? Just exactly. that you taking that initiative is how they expect you to work here. So just being comfortable with leading self, being comfortable with putting a hand up, being comfortable with, I will try. But if I mm. don't get it right, I know that I have help. Mm. As against, you know, it's, this is how we do it, A, B, C, D, E, and you don't get a chance to move things around, even though you think that moving things around will give you better results faster. Yeah, I, and I and I get it, and and it's some of the things that we struggle with as as um, internationally trained professionals. Another thing I see that happens is um, we do not know how to speak up, and that and that you just gave an example of saying raise your hand and actually take initiative to want to do stuff. We we feel like huh, what if I what if I mess things up? And here I I'm seeing that they don't think of what if I mess things up. It might just be what if I'm finding another way to do it. And your bosses are super excited to you know have you do it. 
But the toughest for me that I have come to understand is feedback, Azume. The feedback system here is, I'm like, I literally had to tell my <laughs> bosses, and I'm laughing because for the interviews I did, and they say, oh, hi, Abby, what are the things you wanted to access? And I keep asking them. I say, I know that I have learned that that's not a Canadian thing. But for me, when the feedback is not clear, I don't understand what you, I like, I don't take, I'm not taking cues from what you're saying. Like, um, I hear that when they ask you, can you do this? It's not a question. It's it's not. It's, it's actually, an instruction. It's an instruction. Now, so now think of it like this. If you're in the workplace right now, I've got like a, I've got a coffee cup beside me. And mm-hmm. if, imagine if I was in the workplace and my boss comes and says, oh my God, that's a really nice coffee cup. It'll look better. Don't you think it'll look better on the other side of the table? That was an instruction. He expects me or she expects me to move that cup to the other side of the table. Now, Mm -hmm. where we're coming from, instructions are more direct. It's, as we may move that cup to the, so you gave me an instruction and I knew that that was an instruction. Now, imagine if over and over again, I keep getting, you know, that kind of situation where I didn't realize I was being given an instruction and he passes in another or she passes in another 20 minutes and the cop is right where he said, don't put it. And then tomorrow it happens. And the other day, and then the other person is thinking she never listens. And then I'm, I have no idea that you were giving me instructions. <laughs> Absolutely right? no idea. So that is it. That's just a difference in sometimes leadership style that is uh, more egalitarian here and more. And when it comes to feedback, the typical Canadian uh, workplace feedback is a uh, sandwich method. Mm-hmm. Now, a sandwich method is where you get told, oh, my God, that was really awesome, blah, 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 blah. You did great. Although I think that you could have. So imagine if you give a presentation and then at the end of the presentation, your boss says, oh, that, Abby, that was such a great presentation. I loved it. That was really great. I understood it. But I think the colors were darker. So if you could maybe make the colors better next time. Um, but otherwise, that's really awesome. That's a presentation that you can show uh, at the next monthly staff meeting. Do you know mm-hmm. that in there you've been told to change the colors? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you've seen. But you might take it because of the kind of feedback system that we're used to to mean mm-hmm. that, oh, that was awesome. Show it at next month's meeting. But then they said change the colors. But you didn't see that change. You didn't hear that change the color piece because it was in the sandwich. It's like it's like a burger bun. There's one bun and then there's, uh, you know, there's meat and vegetables and all of that. And then there's another bun. So right there in the middle of that sandwich uh, is feedback that you need to sort through. So imagine showing up at the next month meeting and presenting that same uh, presentation with the colors you were told to change. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes some getting used to. And like I said, it isn't um, there isn't a final bus stop where you think, oh, I've learned all there is to learn. But what I find helps is having an open mind, just understanding that, you know, just open your mind up and be, you know, welcoming a feedback and take that feedback and go back to your own drawing board and say, okay, now that I know this, how can I do better? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the things again, I, I see, so there are materials for so anyone who's listening is wondering, where do I learn all of this? I know that um, by virtue of uh, being a member of Azume's organization, by the way, Azume, should I mention, Azume works with Eric. And there really? Are, <laughs> yeah. And, okay. So um, there are organizations, I'll just do this, there are organizations that actually can help you. And I know that I've, I've sat down in one of those trainings where 
um, it was really helpful for me in my pandemic, you know, the first initial pandemic days where, you know, I, I sat down and those trainings were really nice. So if you search for those trainings, especially wherever, uh, whatever province you live in, there are organizations that are um, newcomer organizations that provide this kind of um, details. And one of them for me was something organized by Northwest. And it really opened my eyes to how tax oriented we are and how, the relationships are different here and a lot of things like that. And I'm hoping that anyone who's listening can actually go ahead and try and look for those kind of details and those kind of trainings that would help you to, you know, be better in this, in this conversations, because really like, like Azume mentioned, you cannot finish learning it. It's something you're going to learn or learn. And what there are a lot of materials out there that you can learn this from. So my yeah, final question. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, not not to quote you short. I wanted to mention that one of the the good things in court about the pandemic is that a lot of organizations now offer all of this uh, training and support online. So you are able to access this from the comfort of your home. There's lots of nonprofits that are funded by the government that offer this for free, so mm-hmm. you can access it from the comfort of your home on your, um, in your own time. Um, and so it just makes it easier for you to kind of get into it and pace your learning. Mm, sure. Another thing that finally, as you bet, I'm actually from where I sit and I'm, I'm wondering if someone is listening and saying, Oh, but we've come here and you know, we're, we're told that it's going to be easier or we, we actually were sold. Somebody's actually going to tell you this. The, the idea is that we're sold that things are going to be easier here. Some of the things that attracted us here is obviously, like we mentioned, the multicultural um, um, environment that it, this is. But I'm wondering, are we the only ones who are supposed to, and, and I'm talking as professional immigrants now, are we the ones, are we the only ones who are supposed to develop the skills? From your experience, do you think that employers in Canada are seeking to be culturally intelligent? I know that there's a lot of um, talk about EDI and, you know, a, a lot of people are, you know, doing more than lip service and trying to do stuff. But what are the brilliant initiatives that you've seen um, that companies and organizations are um, taking to leverage our diversity? Because I want to believe we bring something to the table. We definitely do. And so what, you know, from your experience, what's, what's that, uh, how are the organizations doing in trying to also become um, culturally intelligent to be able to um, accommodate these differences that we all have? Now, if you're asking if immigrant professionals are the only ones who should be uh, deliberately building CQ, uh, the short mm-hmm. answer to that is no. Immigrant professionals aren't the only ones who should be developing their CQ. Matter of fact, I think that there should be a three-pronged approach to building CQ from different perspectives. I think okay. that on one hand, the government has a role to play with trying to provide workplace uh, trainings to immigrant okay. professionals. Um, and if possible, do this prior to arrival, because once you la- arrive, you are in overdrive. So I, yeah. I land today. I need a job. I want a house. I want to get my kids in school. I need to do my driver's test, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things you want to get done. So if it's possible, I think that the government should be working towards doing pre-arrival workplace trainings for immigrants. Now, there are a lot of government-funded nonprofits that offer these types of trainings upon arrival. We just talked about that. Now, on the other hand, organizations should be deliberate with their strategies to onboard 
and integrate newcomers into the workplace. This will help create an organizational culture that is culturally sensitive and welcoming to employees regardless of their cultural background. Now, in all fairness, like you talked about, there has been quite a bit of spotlight on uh, DEI in the last year, two, three, four years-ish back, especially mm-hmm. in the light of Black Lives Matter um, and all that's been happening around that. So there's been increased awareness of DEI, and that has led to an increased um, awareness of CQ within organizations. Now, regardless of the expectations of government and employers to take responsibility with CQ, my personal thoughts are that at the end of the day, individuals are responsible for themselves. Mm. You and I don't have control over what employers and governments do, but we do have control over ourselves. So my thinking is we must take responsibility to build CQ for ourselves. While we hope and pray that we get um, improvements from, you know, government supports and organizational supports in this regards, we will not be resting or should not be resting on our oars. We should be doing what we can do for ourselves and taking responsibility. Organizations are doing better, but organizations are, there's layers and layers and layers. And it's the same thing with government. There's layers and layers and layers that, you know, change has to penetrate through in order to, for it to start being visible or start being effective. So, why would you want to wait around for that to happen when you can take responsibility for yourself and uh, do the very best that you can with uh, equipping yourself with CQ um, so that you can thrive in the workplace? Because my thinking is this, you don't just want to get into the workplace. You don't just want to exist in the workplace. You want to thrive mm-hmm. and CQ will help you do that. Mm. And, and and one of the things that you said, and honestly, when, when I tell people, I always put on a timer when we come on and we're about 29 minutes. And I always try to make this about 35 minutes and under. And the conversation has been awesome. Um, one of the things that you said, and I'm going back to a training that I had at one of these organizations, not quite to be precise. And that's where they told us the difference between, from where we're coming from, we, we're, we're heavily um, religious and we believe in a faith and, and that's how we are. And so that society tells us that, you know, we are not total influencers of our lives. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of other, you know, external locus of control that, and sometimes we are, we are not in control of our lives kind of, but here people believe that I'm in control of my life. The direction in which my life is going is mine. And so if I hear you correctly, as much as the organizations and the government are doing something, we should realize that we actually own the narrative of our lives and whatever it's going to be. And so we should take the bull by the horn and try to educate ourselves on this thing so that we can succeed um, on this journey that we have decided to, to go on. As you Absolutely. May. Um, just to add to that, I've heard that success is when opportunity meets preparation. That mm. preparation is yours to do. Now, I'm not absolving, uh, like you said, the government or the organizations from doing their beats. They yeah. should, and some of them are. But like I said, there's layers and layers. Um, they, they, someone has to write a policy, and then it has to go through this and go through that. And even when it's uh, become law and implemented, you don't may not start to see the results right away, right? So just don't wait around for all of that to happen. Do your mm. own work on yourself and make sure that as uh, you know, as much as depends on you, you've given it your best shot, so that when opportunity comes, you're prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. 
And thank you, Azumi, for this conversation. Last question, and I think we've answered that last question that I had in mind, which is um, simple, practical ways to develop. And we have said it, try and get a lot of um, information out there, material, try just Google CQ. Um, before I had this conversation with Azumi, I literally Googled a lot of stuff and I just saw a lot of stuff and I was like, okay, I'm just coming to learn with Azumi and I'm always learning. And I hope that anyone who's listening to this on this journey of being um you're right there in the middle. Uh, you've been here a year, six months, or even two years, and you're wondering, uh, there's so much to contend with. I have to do my job. I have to be best at it. I also have to lend the cues and the culture. And it looks like it's a lot. I know that people have succeeded in this, and people are actually succeeding in this. And you're not the only one who is actually, you know, trying to figure out how to go about this new like intelligence and this change and this cultural change. And I'm hoping that anyone listening to this episode is um, take something away, which is you actually own your life and you have to do this. And um, that will be all for me. So as you may, any last words, my friend, Mrs. Notch, who is also very popular on this show. Every time I ask her any last words, she goes, so uh, I, I don't, I don't like, I, I, I don't have last words, you know, but any <laughs> parting words. She's super scared being an African. Like, I don't have last words. I have parting words. So any <laughs> parting words for a professional you, you immigrant talked, who is listening to this? What do yes, you have to say you talked about how we're very religious. And so when you say last words, yeah, you just trigger something in us. As, no, these are not my last words. But my parting words would be, um, you want to first of all acknowledge and accept difference. So acknowledge that you're different, the other person's different, and accept that and know that there's nothing wrong with difference, right? Um, and you want to, like we mentioned be open to, you know, be open-minded, understand that you might um, have to unlearn, learn and relearn. You also should be comfortable with asking questions. So if you don't know something and you've tried, or you have a certain notion of something, but you're not sure if it applies in this situation, you know, it's okay to ask questions. My thoughts are that a lot of the time, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So if you're going to be asking someone a culturally sensitive question, be very conscious of how you say, not just what you say. Uh, you could start off by saying, I, I don't intend to offend you. I just really don't know if this is this or that is that. Um, mm. You want to also assume the best of people. I know that sometimes that we, you know, we're, we could be in a situation and something happens and we think that that person meant to offend me. That person deliberately did this to make me mad. But sometimes that's not the case. You want to assume mm. the best of people, um, extend grace to people, uh, give them a chance and over to redeem themselves in a sense. And if you see for, uh, in a situation where they keep doing this over and over again, then you can maybe assume that they know what they're doing and they're deliberately doing something wrong. But for most people, they don't know. And so if, they, if someone steps a boundary or does something that, you know, uh, makes you uncomfortable, then address with, with them nicely. or and Because you want to be able to extend the grace that you hope to receive because you will slip up sometimes and make True. mistakes too sometimes. And so you want to expect that people will be gracious and understanding that it was a mistake and extend that to other people as well. Uh, and then ask for feedback. So if you've had some time in an organization uh, and you're having meetings with your uh, boss or mentor or manager, especially around the work that you do, ask for feedback and say, 
be honest with me. Tell me how am I doing in this regard and that regard? And what do you think I could do better? And, you know, it's one thing to ask for feedback. It's another thing to take that feedback and not be defensive and figure out, okay, how do I make this better? So those yeah. are my parting points. Thank you very much, Azumi. And I laughed because of the feedback one. And I think for me, um, once I started working, I just had to tell my boss, I was like, I don't, I know that you like the sandwich approach and that's the standard thing to do here, but I, I, I don't I, I, I don't know how to go forward with it. I really would need honest feedback. So they have started to let and then when we meet sometimes my boss goes, Am I giving you the right feedback? Is that how you want it? I'm like, Yeah, that's how I want the feedback. It's fine. I'm not offended. I'm strong enough to take it. And that's what I want and that's what's gonna make me better. So yes, actually I feel like people really wanna help as much as there's a standard way of doing things, they really wanna give you feedback. And eventually when they do, like as you may said, don't put a face on sulk and let the person feel horrible the rest of the day for telling you the honest truth. Which is why they don't want to in the first place. In the first so, place. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Azume. This has been super awesome. I am You're glad welcome. that we finished and we did well. And um, I know that I'll be coming to you as always. Azume has always been my bouncing board and fantastic friend. So thank you for, for supporting the community and also giving back, spending this time with us. We appreciate it. And so see you around again. Thank You're you, welcome. Azume. It's a pleasure. You take care. Bye, Bye now. Bye.